You're listening to the Magnum version of the Savage Lovecast, www.savagelovecast.com. If you're stuck in a relationship quandary, or if you're looking for sexual harmony, well, there's nothing you can't ask on the Savage Lovecast. A few quick items before we get to your Q's and my A's this week. First, a huge, huge Thank you to everyone who marched this weekend in Washington, D.C. and all around the country. Any day that tens of thousands of people gather in front of the White House, Trump's White House, to chant shame, shame, shame is a good day. The Women's March, the March for Science to People's Climate March, good days. This weekend, tens of thousands of LGBT people marched in the streets, taking part in the Equality March in D.C. and satellite marches around the country. And that made this particular good day, last Sunday, all the sweeter. Of course, queer people have been a big part of every march since Trump was inaugurated, but it was important to see queer people out there marching under our own banners. So a big thank you to everyone who marched. And if you want to see the creativity and humor of the LGBTQLFTSAQNB, etc. community on full display, look up Equality March on Twitter and check out the photos of the signs and the t-shirts. And because it's June, 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 just because it's June, uh, Queer pride parades are busting out all over. That was a little musical theater reference there in honor of the Tony Awards, which also took place on Sunday. Congrats to all the winners and all the nominees. Anyway, whenever June rolls around, when June busts out, I inevitably get a burst of emails and calls from clueless straight people, new listeners and new readers, wondering why we have to have gay pride parades. You don't see straight people marching in the streets to celebrate straight pride, do you? They all inevitably say. A few quick points. We call them queer pride parades now, not gay pride parades, or we call them just pride parades. And we have pride parades, and you don't, because straight people aren't shamed for being straight. But gay, lesbian, bisexual, trans, two-spirited, queer, questioning, asexual, non-binary, genderqueer, genderfluid, etc., 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 at all, we are shamed for not being straight and or cisgendered. Queer people taking pride in our diverse sexualities and gender expressions are flipping the bird to those who have attempted and continue to attempt to shame us for being different. And we are also setting an example for those queer people out there who are still struggling with or paralyzed by the shame that's been heaped up on them. As for straight pride parades, well, I think you kind of actually need them. I think that would be a good idea. There's a whole chapter in American Savage, my last book, called The Straight Pride Parade. little quote from the book. Although straight people don't suffer from the kind of institutional sexual repression or persecution that gay people still do, straight people are subject to subtler forms of sexual repression, even coercion. Straight people move through life thinking about sex constantly, always horny and always slightly frustrated, which is a feature of human sexuality, not a bug. We are wired, most of us, to be horny all the time. But social convention requires straight people and gay people to act as if sex were the last thing on our minds. And this can be exhausting. People under that kind of pressure desperately need pressure release valves. And those are precisely the kinds of pressures to conform to certain romantic scripts, to live with sexual and reproductive choices that others have made for you, that can make a person want to pull on a pair of assless chaps, smear glitter on their tits, and march down the middle of the street. Those are the kinds of pressures that cry out for some form of organized mass release. Now, personally, I'd like to see more straight people out there celebrating your diverse sexualities and gender expressions. 
lesson from the Queer Pride Parade? We have nothing to be ashamed of, first and foremost, but also that there's more than one way to be queer and nothing wrong with being straight. The Queer Pride Parade does not say nobody should be straight. Everyone should be gay is not one of the lessons. If you could, straight people, if you could pull together a straight pride parade that wasn't telling people that everyone should be straight or that no one should be queer, if the lesson was there's more than one way to be straight and straight sexuality is diverse in its expression as well, I would go to your pride parade and I would cheer for your straight asses and your straight assless chaps and your straight tits smeared with straight glitter from the sidewalk. And finally, a brand new sex fact before our sex show begins. According to the results of a recent study, women who got more sleep had more and better sex and vice versa. So if you want to have more and better sex, get more sleep. And if you want to get more sleep, have more and better sex. Kind of a catch-22, and this was a study of women between the ages of 50 and 79, a.k.a. menopausal women. So it may not apply to all, but I have a hunch it will. And if you want to read the results of the study, go to sciencedaily.com and search for Better sleep can lead to better sex. Okay, coming up today on the micro edition of the Savage Lovecast, your questions, my answers, and on the subscription-only ad-free magnum edition of the Savage Lovecast, which you can subscribe to at savagelovecast.com. Professional dominatrix Justine Cross joins us to talk about kinky parties, how to find them, and how to comport oneself at one. Hi, I'm a 17-year-old high schooler, and... Before I start my question, I would just like to say everyone has their shit. Me and my partner have been in an on and off relationship for about three years now. Um, it's been pretty consistent, but there has been a few off points. Right now, we're both really happy, but um, we have two differentiating views when it comes to sex. For instance, I enjoy monogamy. I enjoy the security of knowing that you have like a secure partner. Well, she believes sex to not be an intimate thing and would like to kind of do it freely. Um, now, the reason for this call is because she kind of asked sometimes if she could sleep around. And since we are in high school, we do on summer vacation. And she's asking if this summer she can kind of get a free pass to um, kind of fuck whoever she wants over the summer. So my question is, should... And I don't control her body, of course, but she's just, she's going to respect my opinion if I would rather she wouldn't. So my question is, do you think I should say yes, um, consent to this? Or is what I'm saying totally unhealthy now? You're 17 years old. You've been with your girlfriend, your partner, for three years. So that means you've been with her since you were 14 years old, maybe even 13 years old. And you guys are not on the same page about a very fundamental and basic issue, monogamy. Uh, no value judgments here around this. Monogamy is the right choice and the right relationship model for some folks, and it is the wrong choice and the wrong relationship model for other folks. The only big difference between the monogamous and non-monogamous is that non-monogamous people haven't typically persecuted or thrown monogamous people in prison or executed them for being monogamous, whereas the reverse historically has occasionally been true. So I don't know how long you've been listening to the show, but perhaps you've heard me talk about the importance of sexual compatibility when it comes to choosing a romantic partner who's also your sexual partner. There are some people out there who have romantic relationships that have no sexual component. Maybe they're asexual. Maybe they're in a companionate, intimate, romantic relationship or marriage that's satisfying for both, but there's no sex. 
But when it comes to a romantic and sexual relationship, which is arguably the kind of relationship that you are in or would like to be in, being on the same page about something like monogamy and other things like perhaps kinks or frequency is important and is something that you have a right to prioritize in that relationship. Sexual exclusivity is something that you, caller, you have a right to prioritize sexual exclusivity because you would like to be in a sexually exclusive relationship. Right you are that you do not control your girlfriend's body and she gets to make her own choices about what she does with her body. You do, however, control your body and you get to make your own choices about what you're going to do with your body, including whose body you're going to press your body against. And if your girlfriend is choosing to do things with her body that make you feel like you don't want to press your body against hers, that make you feel like that's not the right choice for you anymore, you are free to end this relationship. And that's not about trying to control your girlfriend. And that's not necessarily about trying to control your girlfriend. That's just prioritizing being on the same page around this issue, around monogamy. Now, being monogamous may be a price of admission that your girlfriend is willing to pay to be with you. And perhaps that's been the case while this off and on relationship has been going on for the last three years. Although arguably maybe she's turned it off sometimes so that she could mess around with other people. I don't know. I don't know what those circumstances were where it was off. But if your girlfriend would rather be with you than get to share her body with other people or sleep with other people or be polyamorous or have other sex partners or other experiences, you can allow her to make that choice. But if that's not a price of admission that she is willing to pay, she may choose to exit the relationship. Conversely, she may choose to sleep with other people despite your feelings about it. And if that's not a price of admission that you're willing to pay, then you can choose to take your body and leave this relationship. Zooming out, zooming ahead maybe, Five, ten years. Ask yourself how many people who are 27 that you know are with people that they were dating when they were 13 or 14 years old. And the answer is probably zero or maybe one or two, perhaps tops. But it is extremely rare for people to be with their high school sweethearts forever and indefinitely. So maybe this relationship has run its course. Maybe what your girlfriend is telling you when she's asking for this pass for this summer is that you guys are diverging on this issue in an important way. And you can struggle to hold on to this relationship and she may do what she feels she must do or make a different kind of choice for herself without your consent and it could get very explosive. I would recommend rather than you guys pulling away from each other and it becoming explosive that you guys part perhaps. That maybe this summer is the summer that this conflict can no longer be kicked down the road. That this disagreement that you guys have about this fundamental issue, that this Sexual incompatibility that has perhaps popped up again and again over the last three years as you guys have negotiated your connection can no longer be finessed. And it may be time to say, you know what? We shared three, four great years. We will always be friends. We will always be important to each other. But maybe we should end it as you have before, as you've ended it before. And ending it doesn't mean you can't pick it up again at the end of the summer. But – Again, ask yourself how many 27-year-olds you know who are still with the women or girlfriends or boyfriends that they were with at 14. Hi, Dan. This is two girls in their mid-20s living in New York City. We just had an odd experience. We were having dinner in the Lower East Side outside, and we saw something rather disturbing we wanted to ask your opinion on. And now my friend is going to 
tell you the details. So my friend and I uh, were on a best friend date and we were eating outside as she probably mentioned. Um, and I happened to notice uh, that there was the tip of a penis like peeking outside of the doorway to an apartment. I didn't see anybody's face, but I directed my friend's attention to what was happening. And we both watched him come, which was very disturbing and gross. And we're feeling a little confused about our emotions right now. So now she's going to ask you some questions. So we have two questions. The first one is, what is the right protocol in this situation? Is this something that we should alert someone in the area? Or is this something where we should just kind of say, oh, that's a strange kink that we witnessed? Um, And the second question is just why, what's the drive behind this? Like what kind of compels someone to uh, do this? Thanks for calling. Thanks for sharing. Nice to meet you both. The right protocol, in answer to your first question, alert someone in the area. I don't know how effective that would be. You could send up a flare. You could call the police. By the time the police arrived, by the time the authorities were on the scene, it's highly likely that the culprit would have beat a retreat, would have withdrawn from the scene. uh, And you probably wouldn't be able to identify him just by the tip of his penis sticking out of a doorway that I imagine wasn't his doorway. Someone doing this, they're probably opportunistically seizing someone else's doorway so as not to implicate themselves with, you know, their name on the lease and everything. So unfortunately, the advice that I would give someone in this circumstance would be to avert your eyes, to deny this exhibitionist the pleasure of your attention, which is, of course, what the exhibitionist was seeking when they poked their penis out from that doorway. Of course, if the door was close enough, you could have run at it and slammed it. But then you might have been guilty of the greater offense. And answer your second question, what's the drive behind this? Well, exhibitionism. Some people like to expose themselves to other people. It's not okay to expose yourself to other people in a non-consensual fashion. It's not okay to pop your penis out of a door and waggle it at a couple of best friends who are having a best friend date and just trying to enjoy their lunch. And there's nothing about enjoying their lunch that – some other person's penis they didn't ask to see is going to enhance. So yeah, not okay. And that's what compels people to do this. Exhibitionists are compelled to expose themselves because they're exhibitionists, because it makes their crazy dicks hard or their crazy pussies really wet. And it had the desired impact. You were interested. You were intrigued. You couldn't look away. I don't think I'd be able to look away either. I also wouldn't be able to slam the door. And you were disturbed by this site. And I think that that's often what goes on for people who engage in this kind of exhibitionism. People who expose themselves, you know, from a car or in a car or on a subway or, you know, out a window or into somebody's window. Uh, I think it's often expressly done to unnerve that person, to make them feel unsafe in their own home or unsafe on the streets or unsafe on a date with their best friend. But, you know, I dinked around on the internet a little bit and there's this survey of 185 exhibitionists cited in this article and they were asked, these exhibitionists, how would you have preferred a person to react if you were to expose your privates to him or her? And the top response was would want to have sexual intercourse, 35.1%. Obviously, that's not the reaction that you and your best friend had. The next response was no reaction necessary at all, nearly 20%. 
Show your privates also, 15%, admiration, any reaction at all. And only, as it turns out, a small handful of exhibitionists chose anger or disgust or fear. 4% for anger, disgust, 0.5% for fear. So I may have to revise my beliefs about exhibitionists because as I just said, I've long believed that most exhibitionists are trying to make people feel unsafe in their own skin or unsafe in their own homes. But at least exhibitionists self-report that not to be the case. They're hoping that the sight of that penis poking out from behind that doorway would inspire you and your friend to settle up your bill with the restaurant and take a running leap at that dick, which seems like an irrational expectation on the part of that exhibitionist if that was indeed what he expected you two might do in reaction. I'm sorry that happened to you. Let it go. Shake it off. Have another drink. And if it happens again and the door is nearby, you always have the option of sticking your leg out, putting a foot on it, and slamming it shut. Hi, Dan. This is a longtime listener, first-time caller. 27, gay male, married in New York City. I have a really specific fetish that I'd like you to try to help me with. I taught my husband pretty much 100% of the time. And when we have three ways or we invite somebody else in there, you know, I I just really like to be the sub-bottom. And I want to, I really, really do want to be like a sub-bottom for an older gentleman while it's being filmed. And uh, that's my fetish. How do I go about finding this older gentleman? And side note, my husband's fetish is filming me while all of this is going on. I was listening to your question and I kept waiting for the problem to arise. You have this fetish. You're 27 years old with your husband. You're always the top, but you would like to be topped yourself. And for brand new listeners... The top is the person who fucks someone during anal intercourse, the insertive partner, the penetrator, not the penetratee. You would like to be topped yourself by an older gentleman while you're being filmed. And it turns out that your husband's kink is filming you being topped by an older gentleman as your kink is being topped by an older gentleman while being filmed. So that's some hand in glove or fist and ass perfection right there. So all you got to do is find that older top. And you're in New York City. You are not in Des Moines, Iowa. You are in the world capital of kinky older guy tops who would be probably only too thrilled to rail a hot 27-year-old guy while his bottom husband films him being topped. Put an ad out. Hang a shingle. Get on Craigslist. Get on Recon. Get on OkCupid. Go to a gay bar. Leave the fucking house. You're in New York City. This is not going to be hard for you to arrange. So unless you had some ulterior motive in directing this call to me specifically, which I don't think you did, uh, my advice to you boils down to you're in New York City. Leave the fucking house. This will not be hard for you to find. And this seems to be entirely frictionless. There is no problem here. What you want is also what your husband wants. You just need to find that third who would like to play this part for you, and that is not going to be a problem. Hey, Dan. I'm in a bit of a conundrum. I am 25, and my fiancé is 27. I have been with many partners, somewhere around 80, and I am the only sexual partner that he has ever had. 
we we are both open and honest about this, and and we we both know where we stand. But he does this thing where he um, will sort of be having a natural conversation, and then he'll ask me about a sexual thing. You know, it'll be, it'll kind of pepper in the conversation. I'll be like, oh yeah, this happened one time. But he'll want such detail, like such scrutinizing detail, where he'll be like. What? Tell me exactly what happened. What did this person look like? What day was it? What month was it? And you know what? I've drawn the line where I've said that I don't feel comfortable giving the person's name because, well, you know, that person and I were consenting partners at the time. I don't have their consent now to give away their personal information. We have recently moved to a town where some of those somebodies are still walking around. Uh, and the other thing is, you know, months, dates, I, I don't really remember. So I've put my foot down many times and said, I don't want to share this information. And he will kind of sulk around and kind of be moody until he pinches it out of me. Uh, and I don't like that. I don't think that's great. He feels that because he is soon to be my husband, he is entitled to this information. I feel that this happened before he was ever around. So, you know, I'm, I'm not giving him no information. I just don't think I should give him all the information. Uh, he says he does it just out of sort of a, like an interest thing, a vicarious living, maybe a jealousy thing. I don't know. What am I? What's, what's going on here? So if you're a regular listener, you've probably heard me say that relationships aren't depositions. You don't have to answer every question. Uh, you're also not a business that's being acquired by some outside firm. You don't have to disclose everything. You don't have to open the books. There are some things you can keep private. But I had a follow. So you know all that. So, of course, you already have. Yeah, my, of course. You're a listener. You know, you've probably heard me say exactly those things before. Um, so I'm calling you back because I have a follow-up question about your boyfriend's demeanor when he's mm -hmm. Pumping you for details about guys who've pumped you previously. Um, <laughs> you say he gets sulky and sad when you won't share the details. Does he get flushed and aroused when you do? <sighs> no, that would be fun and exciting, <laughs> but no. Oh, that's too bad. Um, so it's kind of a morbid curiosity on his part, and it doesn't make him happy, and his unhappiness makes you unhappy. By my best guess, when I try to talk to him about it, I think it's, I, I ask him if it's a vicarious living thing mm -hmm. um, because he, he is, he says he is jealous of all the experiences I've had of all the, you know, fun, crazy shenanigans that involved genitals and orgies and whatever. So he wants to ask me about it, but yeah, like I don't feel comfortable sharing names or dates or anything like that because sometimes he does run into people who I've had sexual contact with and I don't really feel comfortable sharing their personal details. Right. And, and I, think it's, gets, yeah. I think it's uh, actually considerate of him and his feelings and those social interactions not to necessarily disclose that these guys you fucked because that could make him feel insanely awkward around these dudes if he's going to run into them uh, in, in the place where you live now. I do want to challenge something you said though. Um, that these people you've messed around with in the past didn't consent to you now disclosing these things about them. I think each of us have a right to our experiences and our histories and a right to share them. I think we shouldn't be assholes. I think we shouldn't be inconsiderate of someone else's right to privacy. I think we can be discreet, but I don't think we have to go through life never sharing X detail because Y person didn't give us permission in writing to share it in perpetuity. That we have a right to our own histories and to share them. And we want to be sensitive. We want to be thoughtful. We want to be considerate. But even, even to their name? 
I don't know. Maybe. Like, I don't think I would hesitate if somebody said, did you fuck that guy? If I fucked that guy to say, yeah, I fucked that guy. Um, yeah, yeah, but it's beyond that. Like, cause I'll, I'll say that. Like, I'll say, yeah, of course I've had intercourse with this person, but he'll be like, how big was his penis? Did you come? How many times did you have intercourse? What kinds of sexual things did you do? And I'm like, I don't really want to go into that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll share stories, but I just won't attach names. So, like, should I be giving him names? What, and- if, what if each time he started doing that, you were like, his penis is average. We had sexual intercourse three <laughs> times. I was on top. And it was just the same, like, five details just to communicate to him that he's not going to get the info out of you. But but I'm calling because I'm curious why he wants this info. Maybe he, it does turn him on and he's embarrassed to tell you it turns him on. If it's not that, and, and it is that he's jealous that you've had all these sexual adventures that he hasn't, I would encourage you both to start thinking about how you can have sexual adventures as a couple. Like if what he feels he missed out on was a certain degree of sexual adventuring, not sowing the wild oats bullshit, but being open to possibility and experimentation and chance – that that's something a couple can do together without involving anyone else, but also with involving other people if you so choose. If what he feels is like FOMO, fear of missing out, because he kind of did, how would you feel if you had only one sex partner your whole life? Would you feel like you missed out? Of of course, yeah. And I think I will, I'll mention this to him because I've, I've been bringing it up that I am totally fine giving him a hall pass. I think it would be okay as long as it wasn't you know, necessarily romantic. Um, well, no, I, I wasn't, is, I wasn't even suggesting that like there are sexual adventures. Like I said, I really want to emphasize this because I don't want people to always think I'm the enemy of a monogamous commitment in any form. But if, if you go to him and say, okay, if you're not like some secret cuckold and just hearing about your girlfriend, soon to be wife, fucking other guys, isn't a turn on for you. If it's about you missed out and I had these sexual adventures and you didn't, and you want to hear about them to live through them vicariously, let's put an end to that. Like I fucked 80 guys the dicks were big, the dicks were little, the sex was good or the sex was bad. And there were certain like kinks or adventures that I had just like all in the past. What can we do going into the future that's going to make you feel like even if you only have sex with me for the rest of your life, you didn't have a life without adventure, sexual adventure and, 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 and impulse and, and spontaneity. Like what can we do? Is it, you know, go to a sex club where other people are fucking and just fuck each other. Are there kinks you want to explore? Is there, are, are, you know, sex outside where we might get caught? Like, what can we build into our sex life so you feel like you have, even if it's only with me, a kicking, rocking, fun, crazy sex life full of things that, you know, you can look back on one day or tell friends about with my consent, perhaps, and have your own stories. Because right now it sounds like he has stories. You have stories. Yeah, that's a really good insight, and that that's probably really, really accurate. Because he just he just wants to hear the stories, mm-hmm. and he finds them interesting. But I'd love to give him his own stories and like be able to, and maybe be sexy. I guess to call back on them and be like, "Ooh, remember that time we did this?" Exactly, exactly. And there are ways that you know two people can go out, only have sex with each other, and still have stories to tell each other that the other isn't aware of. Like if you went to some, you know, crazy public sex environment and you both split up for a little bit, not to touch other people, no touching other people, but to observe and to masturbate on your own in a corner. And then you can circle back to each other and fill each other in on the crazy stuff you saw the other sex havers doing. Like voyeurs are allowed and welcome, particularly if they're an opposite sex couple at a lot of sex parties, swingers events, public sex craziness. 
And you can have that kind of adventure together where there are other people and other experiences that he can have and live through vicariously that aren't necessarily yours. But I think the most important thing is show that guy a good time. Get him out of the fucking house. <laughs> Go fucking a public park. Drill down on what his kinks are and or what they might be and, and things that you might be able to to do together. And then he'll have stories to tell, if not you, then his best friend or whoever it is that he's comfortable sharing these kinds of stories with and you're comfortable with him sharing those kinds of stories. That sounds like a really great idea. So I should, I should let him in on the names and just kind of tell him a bit and then otherwise maybe just focus back on making stories with him. And then when he asks me, I can be like, yeah, but this was better. Remember this time we did this? That was cooler. Exactly. You had a lot of crazy sex, right? And people <laughs> yeah, have it in their I, heads that once you're in a relationship, the crazy sex stops, that sexual adventuring is something you get out of your system before you're in a relationship. I'm here from the future to tell you that that is not true. It doesn't have to be true. You don't have to die together sexually after five or 10 years that you can have sexual adventures together. It's invigorating and you can help him create stories that, that he can cherish and be proud of and one day share. I look forward to doing that. And then call us back and tell us all about it. Thanks, Dan Savage. Hi, Dan. I'm a straight, engaged female. I'm getting married in two months. A year ago, while I was engaged, I kissed someone else. I felt terrible, but I decided not to tell my fiancé about it. I felt too much guilt to think it would ever happen again. I recently found out that my maid of honor knows about the kiss, as do a couple of our mutual friends. They don't know I know. The story has been exaggerated, and I'm nervous that it will get more out of hand, and someone will tell my fiancé. I'm wondering if I can keep this secret from him, but somehow address it with the other people. I really don't want to hurt him or cause him to call off the wedding. What should I do? Call me old fashioned, but didn't it used to be that 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 moment where you would forsake or forsook or whatever the fuck all others was when you got married at the altar, not when you got engaged. Some people when they're still engaged are getting a last bit of wild oats sewing out of their system, not necessarily cheating, but Maybe kissing or running around or staring down temptation, which you did, and that was something that you could step down the memory hole and you didn't have to necessarily share with your fiancé. So I support your basic approach, your initial approach to this. You did something stupid and risky and that you shouldn't have and you felt terrible about it and it's been a year and you've never done it again. And the lesson that you learned from that kiss was despite the fact that you probably still want to kiss other men from time to time and Fuck other men too. That's not something that you are going to do or allow yourself to do because you are seriously committed to this man and you want to be with him and be exclusive with him. So you walked up to the precipice. You stared into the abyss and you turned and walked away. And all that happened at that precipice, all you did at the abyss, at the edge of the abyss was get a fucking kiss. And here you are a year later on the rack about it because some other folks know and because of gossip and games of telephone or games of text or Snapchat or kick or however the fuck that game works. Now the story has been exaggerated uh, and blown up. And now what do you do? Well, you could go to these other people and beg them not to say anything to your fiance and try to shut this down. And all you'll be communicating to them is, is that this is big and scary and potentially very consequential if they should reveal it to your fiance of their own accord. For what reason? Well, maybe you say or do something at some point in the future that pisses them off. Maybe one of them gets caught cheating and in a drunken night of anger, they decide to implicate everybody else that they know who's ever not gotten caught cheating. 
Who knows? But going to these other people and begging for their silence is really to hang the sword of Damocles over your head. How long can you live that way once you're married? How long can you live with that tension of knowing he may find out at any moment? You may go to all your friends and beg them not to say anything and they'll agree not to say anything and it'll come out at the bachelor party or the bachelorette party or the rehearsal dinner or right before the service or immediately after the service. Who the fuck knows? If your fiancé is so psycho or angry that you fear telling him this, you should fear him finding this out the day before you get married, a year after you get married, the day after your first kid is born, before your 10th anniversary. Tell him fucking now. Go to him yourself. Get out in front of it and say, a year ago I was at a party. I did something stupid. I kissed somebody else. It, that has now blown up into something it is not because people who weren't there have repeated it. People found out about it. I was going to do what reasonable, rational advice columnists advise people in my situation to do. Advice columnists like not just crazy sex radical non-monogamous Dan Savage, but dear Prudence at Slate, who's prudent about these things and not burden you with that, not tell you. And assume that if you had done something similar, you would have the courtesy and the decency to – Never do that again, but also to not tell me. But I'm telling you because I want you to hear it from me and not hear it from one of our friends in anger when a friendship is collapsing around us or not just have it get back to you anonymously. So I'm telling you now before we get married. If the bastard calls the wedding off because you told him that you kissed somebody and regretted it and have never done it again, well, maybe the wedding shouldn't have happened in the first place because – Life is long and shit is complicated and people step out on each other and people make mistakes on business trips or because of life stressors or or one partner's libido crashes for a while because of who knows what or maybe a health issue and somebody steps out and these things happen. And you want to be with someone who can roll with those punches. And I think that you want to have a punch like that. Not to go out and intentionally cheat on a partner to see what the reaction might be in advance, but to be with someone long enough before you marry them for you to determine that they can roll with the punches uh, that life inevitably is going to bring and that your marriage isn't this thing that's so fucking fragile that the first time one of those punches lands, the whole thing shatters and collapses around you. So you go tell him. You go sit him down and say, something happened while we were engaged. I want to tell you. And also say to him, if anything happened while we were engaged that you wanted to tell me, you can tell me now or you can allow me to live in the blissful ignorance that I was attempting to allow you to live in as a courtesy and because I love you. And then see how he reacts. And if he reacts badly, if he has a huge fucking meltdown and a tantrum and cancels the wedding, that sounds like a bullet dodged. Hi, Dan. I'm a 24-year-old bisexual female with a male partner. Um, I'm calling to hear your opinion about an incident that happened a couple of days ago with one of my friends from college and her boyfriend. So it all started when they were getting ready to leave our apartment after having dinner, dinner with us that night. And I usually like to kiss many of my uh, girlfriends on the cheek when I'm saying goodbye to them. I'm sure, like most people, I don't really see it as a sexual thing. Uh, I kiss most of my family members on the cheek, so... Anyway, this particular friend never seemed to be bothered by it. So I kissed her on the cheek and then went over to hug her boyfriend goodbye as well. But before I did, I just decided to make this stupid joke where I asked if I could kiss him on the cheek too. Um, they both laughed uncomfortably and then, uh, you know, we moved on and they left and said, and we said goodbye. 
Um, I felt bad about making the joke as soon as they left because I have a lot of social anxiety and I always stress out about saying awkward things or making other people uncomfortable. But I just decided to let it go. But the next day, uh, she texts me and she asks why I asked to kiss her boyfriend on the cheek and says that she feels uncomfortable about the situation. I was mortified and I quickly texted her that I was only joking and I was sorry about making them both feel uncomfortable. It's been a few days and she hasn't texted me back. The only thing I can think is that she thinks I was trying to flirt with him. Um, in the past, she's told me that she gets very upset when other women get touchy with him. And the way she told me stories about these incidents has always led me to believe that there are, I don't know, a lot of women who want to have sex with him or something. Um, but I'm definitely not one of those women. And the fact that she thinks I would ever do something like that is very distressing to me. Uh, the idea of flirting with my friend's boyfriend in front of my friend and my boyfriend is kind of insane to me. But I don't know if what I re did really crossed any kind of line. But I also want to be mature about this and respect their boundaries. I also don't know how to go about talking to them about it. It's so fucking awkward to me. And I've been so anxious about this the past couple of days. Maybe lots of other women want to fuck your friend's boyfriend. Or maybe your friend is fucking crazy. The move you made, you kissed her goodbye, you kissed her on the cheek, and then when he went in to hug you, which is arguably more intimate, the pressing together of man boobs and women boobs, you joked about wanting to give him a goodbye kiss too. And it sounds like your friend has overreacted and it sounds like her overreaction has sandpapered your social anxiety nerves. And you're at this bullshit crisis stage now you're, where this molehill has been transformed into – some giant potential friendship extinguishing mountain. Send your friend an email. Write her back and say, I should have remembered. I've momentarily spaced. I was just joking and momentarily spaced on your insecurities about other women wanting to fuck your boyfriend. I'm not one of those women. I was not making a move on your boyfriend. I would never make a move on your boyfriend, least of all, in front of you and in front of my boyfriend. So that definitely wasn't a move. And I wouldn't make a move on your boyfriend if I was alone with your boyfriend, which I've never been, if you've never been. And just lob the ball into her court and then shrug it off. Give yourself a break. Give yourself the break that you gave yourself initially. It sounds like this is a perfect storm of your social anxiety meeting your friend's insecurity and jealousy and paranoia about other women moving in on her boyfriend. And who knows, maybe she had a boyfriend in the past who was stolen by some other friend who flirted. Maybe there's a history here where her insecurities are insecurities, but there's some basis for them. And therefore she has a right to ask for some accommodation of them or some sensitivity to them. But my hunch is that lots of other women don't want to fuck your friend's boyfriend, that she's just a little fucking nuts about that. And your innocent, if awkward joke was a match that hit that puddle of gasoline and there's nothing you can do about it. And there's no way to salvage the friendship. If indeed she's going to tell herself the story that you're just another one of those women out there, another one of those bitches who wants to steal her man. If that's the story that she wants to tell herself, because, you know, in a way that's kind of narcissistic. What she's saying is she's landed this man who's so desirable that even her friends can't help but pursue him. And that's how amazingly awesome and attractive she is. She got the guy that everybody wants. And so she has to build a fence around him wherever he goes. If that's the story that she wants to tell herself for her own reasons, whether it's her narcissism or insecurities, there's nothing you can do about that. 
friendship may be over. And I don't think it's your fault because of your social awkwardness or because of this silly joke or your social anxiety is not your fault if this friendship ends for this reason. It's her fault. Hey, Dan. I live in an expensive city, but got a great deal on rent because I live with a spoiled trust fund kid who owns the apartment. He never leaves the house, smokes weed constantly, and has a severe video game addiction. He's an actively unkind person, too. He's not aware of his toxic behavior, and it's been getting worse the past few years. All of our friends have felt the sting of his lazy lifestyle and narcissistic, narcissistic tendencies and have been rightfully distancing themselves. I unfortunately live with him and work from home, so it's much harder for me to limit exposure. I'm in the process of saving money and moving out, so that'll solve that part. However, the reason for my call concerns his romantic relationship with his girlfriend. She's 23. He and I are both 30. He's an emotionally cruel person, and he's a cruel partner. Over the year and a half of their relationship, I have watched him mold her into a version of himself never allowing her to have opinions or expressions of her own. He will publicly ridicule her and consistently put her down, and she always takes his shit willingly. Once she was going to boil water in a pot, and he called her an idiot for putting in too much water. Then after she dumps them out, he called her an idiot again for not putting in enough. He's also unwilling to participate in any activity she wants to do, so it has forced her to completely change her lifestyle to match his. Their dates now involve sitting on the couch while she watches him play video games. His behavior is abhorrent, and it's feeling like emotional abuse to me. Sometimes I'll defend her when he puts her down in my presence, but that only encourages him to ridicule her more. Keep in mind this man was born with a silver spoon in his mouth, has never had to work, has no empathy, and has a strict policy of his way or the highway. He represents Trump's America as he will reject proven facts if they do not align with his opinion. I'm all about butting the fuck out, but my instincts are telling me to intervene on this one. What do you think? Is it my duty to say something? And if so, do I speak to him or her? And what do I say? The time to say something to this guy's girlfriend was a year and a half ago when this guy met this girl. You've known him a lot longer. You've lived with him a lot longer. You knew him to be this obnoxious, awful, toxic piece of shit. Now, maybe you had never seen him break down a girlfriend before and destroy her self-esteem and reduce her to this person who will sit on a couch and watch him play video games all night. So maybe you weren't aware of what she was signing up for and how she could be abused coming in, but you watched this unfold. And the time to speak up was months ago, months and months and months ago. So now you're on your way out the door and you're asking me if over your shoulder on the way out the door, you should say something to her. Yes. Oh my God. You should fucking say something to her. You should apologize to her for not saying something sooner and then tell her, look, you deserve better. He is a piece of shit. I am not making a play for you. I'm not hitting on you. He is a piece of shit. Look at what he does to you. I've watched what he does to you, the way he treats you. It's emotionally abusive and you need to get out just as I needed to get out a lot sooner myself. And I was just his fucking roommate and I needed to get the fuck out because he's awful and toxic. You, his girlfriend, are being exposed to much greater levels of his awfulness and toxicity because you're in an emotional relationship with him and he is shredding you. He is emotionally abusing you and you need to get the fuck out and then say to her, look, I stuck around too long as roommate because it was a really good deal because he's a rich kid with a great apartment. This is an expensive city. I stayed here too long. And in a way, maybe my presence in his life led you to believe he might be a decent guy because he's had the same roommate for such a long time. And maybe just by being here, I was vouching for him on some level as a human being. And you got to know that 
that's not true. I, I, I think he's an awful human being. And I was just here for my own self-interest. I was here because he was a rich kid, great apartment, made it possible for me to live in the city. But I am getting out now. And I don't know, you should say to her, I don't know what reasons you're still here. But if it's the same reason I stuck around, rich kid, nice apartment, big city, it's not worth it. I feel diminished and degraded by the time I've spent with him as my roommate. I have watched him degrade you and emotionally abuse you and said nothing. And for that, I apologize or said very little because it was a risk to me. And for that, I apologize. But you got to get out. You got to get away from this guy just as I am getting out and I am getting away from this guy. Can't save her. She can choose to stay. People choose to stay in shitty relationships for all sorts of stupid reasons. He makes a good living. He has a nice apartment. I am in terror of being alone. I would rather be with somebody awful than be by myself. Maybe my love can fix him. People stay in shitty relationships for all sorts of stupid reasons. The odds that you will speak to her, that you will make a beautiful speech or play her this recording and I'll make the beautiful speech and the scales will fall from her eyes and she'll walk out the door and never see this guy again are very low. This may go on for a while longer. But this kind of conversation, this kind of confrontation that I think you're going to have with her, even if she leaps to his defense, it plants a seed. It helps somebody shift their perspective. They begin to examine their relationship from outside their own duo dynamic and they begin to perceive it as others might perceive it. It gives them that third eye on the other side of the room that sometimes people lack and sometimes people are still in these kind of shitty relationships because they lack. So even if you make a speech, even if you have a big conversation with her and it gets heated and nothing changes immediately, the change could still come in six months or a year's time. But fingers crossed that she goes into the bathroom and grabs her toothbrush and walks out of that asshole's apartment with you. Hi, Dan. I have a question for you and Xavier Wurskeith for your advice on how to I guess break into is the word um, the sex club and sex party scene. I mean, I guess anywhere, but like we're in one of the biggest cities in the country and it's a place where I'm sure there is a thriving, vibrant, multifaceted underground of all kinds of kinky parties and stuff that are, you know, private or semi-private or invite or however all that stuff works. So with the reason my wife and I recently, uh, a friend of ours who lives in New York, uh, who we've fooled around with before, invited us to a party in New York where she is into the scene there. And holy fuck, it was amazing. It was super, like, just the way that everything was handled was, like, so classy and cool and just everyone was so fucking cool and respectful and it was exactly like what it was better than I ever hoped it would be and my wife is even probably more into it (laughs) she had a fucking blast anyway um so we would like we're trying we've tried to follow up leads to get into LA and our New York person just just hasn't really been able to help us find anything and the two things we've been to have just seemed very not up to the standards, shall we say. But that's because we're looking on, like, freaking Google, you know? And, of course, if you search in Google, you're going to find things that are, like, just trashy. And, of course, it's word of mouth. But how do we fucking meet people? Sorry, I keep swearing. How do we find 
an inn. Do we start at the trashy ones and just kind of try to meet people and try to like work our way up? Like, you know, it's a job or something and you're like trying to break into the acting industry. I mean, it's just crazy. It seems like, where do, where do you start? We don't want the like Vegas style gross parties with all these like ugly, I mean, you know, overly silicone people. We want like the, the amazing thing that we found in New York. And I know there has to be, the same thing here. But anyway, I'll stop rambling. How do people find this stuff? How do they get into it if they don't actually know anyone? Where do you start? Joining me by phone to help tackle this question, Justine Cross, professional dominatrix in Los Angeles, who owns and operates two dungeons, classy ones, Dungeon West and Dungeon East. Hey, Justine, how are you doing? Good, Dan. How are you? Great. Thanks for coming back on the show. So it's a pretty simple, straightforward question. How do you find your way into the best kink scene parties in a new city? Yeah, well, I think there's a couple things going on. One, you know, New York is never going to be Los Angeles and vice versa. And also, you know, he just went to one party. And I think there's a little something going on about like chasing that first high. <laughs> it's never <laughs> going to be as good later. Uh-huh. You know, I noticed that. So, um, yeah. So and also, you know, it seemed like he was talking about like swinger parties and um, like and then kink. BDSM parties, they're two totally different things. First swinger sex parties, yeah, the really good ones are in the private, beautiful houses up on the hills. And, you know, they are invite only. Send your wife in front of you. <laughs> like, I think the problem is that he's looking for this stuff. It's like he needs <laughs> to find the parties that are, you know, that are asking for, you know, people to send their pictures and their profiles and like make sure they're real people and things like that. Um, someone who leads a lot of these naughty parties and has connections to a lot of them is Santa Sinclair in Los Angeles. And she does a group called Naughty Los Angeles that you can find. And she does a lot of fun, fun things like that in terms of kink parties and BDSM things. That's more my speed. Um, so I host a lot of private events at either of my spaces, Dungeon East and Dungeon West. And I also run um, a meetup group um, <clears throat> on meetup.com, uh, BDSM Los Angeles is what it's called. And then you can also find things through FetLife is another really great source. There's also a Kink Los Angeles calendar. Again, these are more like kink events, mm-hmm. but there's a ton of resources out there to find things. I think that um, definitely if you're looking for higher quality events, the ones that are costing more, <laughs> the ones that are requiring you to provide some personal information so they know that you're not a creep <laughs> that don't allow single men because who wants them? Um, and things like that. I definitely don't, you know, I don't allow any single men at my events. Yeah. Let's unpack why that is because every time that's just tossed off, we get a lot of calls from single men who are butt sore about that. Why is it a problem for a swingers club or a kink party to allow single men? Well, it's, they're always a problem, you know, um, (laughs) there's always that weirdo in the corner. Every time I allow like single men, it's always like, ugh. You know, um, because it's a sex party and, you know, in sex parties and kink parties, women are are more valued and women want to go to places where they're feeling safe, where there's at least an even ratio um, or more women to men. Um, Mm -hmm. And then, you know, guys, single guys just going to a sex party. I mean, that just sounds like I mean, really, that sounds rapey as all hell. (laughs) Maybe it's not. But I mean, even my events, even events that I throw that aren't. Um, you know, uh, kink 
or we're like sex oriented, that that's like the expectation of the evening. Mm -hmm. I still tell all my guy friends, you have to bring a date. And I'm like, I'm not responsible for your good time. Like bring, bring a wing woman, you know, just bring someone with you. It's, it's keeping your ratio better, safer, more friendly. That I think the ratio thing is the most important kind of aspect of it, or the thing that I that is usually cited. That if you allow single men at a party, you'll end up at the party with three hundred single guys and thirty women and the, their their male dates, and it will it'll be it'll create a vibe that's so testosterone soaked and unsafe seeming that the women leave, and then. If it was oh, a straight exactly. party, you're, you're, like the, the overwhelming numbers of straight single guys who show up kind of ruin it for everyone, including themselves. Oh, of course. Yeah, I, I've been to events where th- this hasn't happened and there's been a huge ratio of men to women. And, you know, I, I'm sitting in the pool and all of a sudden I look around and I feel like very shark tank, you know, <laughs> like, wait a minute, <laughs> <laughs> like, we got to go. <laughs> Why are we the only two women in the pool and we're getting surrounded here, you know? So, um, yeah, that, that's very important. And I mean, it sounds, I mean, obviously he was like with his partner anyway, but um, I think like sort of sending her out, you know, not even just like in terms of searching, but like, at other sexy events that they go to, like, I think it's better for the woman to always be pursuing the sexual um, part the sex party or kink party, because she's going to be a, a lot more people are going to be way more receptive to her. Mm-hmm. And especially since she seems to be the one who's like more into it than him going around asking like, Hey, where are the sexy kinky parties? Cause like, even if he's like the nicest guy in the world, you come off sounding creepy. Now I'm going to throw this out. I, I, I expected that you might throw this out, but you didn't, but I'm going to throw it out. What about hiring okay. a professional dominatrix? Not to be your escort to a kink party, but most people I know who are pro-doms are really plugged into their local kink scene and know about all the parties, the sort of broad and the ones he's finding on Google, but also the the private ones. And if you get to know dominatrixes, not just, you know, if I give you $300, will you take me to the party? Because <laughs> no professional dominatrix is going to risk her reputation or her own access to the elite stuff by just bringing along any schmo. But if you you know, get to know a, a professional dominatrix. If you hire her, if you book her space, if you demonstrate to her that you are safe and sane and together and sexy and become friends as well as clients, that that's often, I think, a really a, a way to accelerate that intro into the, you know, the, the more private kink scene. Am I off base? I think, I think you're totally on base. I mean, it's something that I've discussed with my, you know, um, several of my slaves before where they've gone to events and, you know, they've been like the single guy, like, Oh, this is horrible. I would never want to go like without you, you know? Mm -hmm. And that's something, again, it's like, yeah, it's not something like if someone just out of the blue contacted me and said like, I need to hire you to go into this thing. It's like, yeah, I I need to make sure that they're okay first (laughs) before again, like, you know, yeah, risking my reputation or like my Saturday night on a bad time. But I think that's a a really good way to do that. It's like, you know, having someone to be your sort of like your spirit guide. And it's like, yeah, like it is your, your your date, but also it's like, well, we don't really have to do things with each other, but at least you, you're, you know, you're showing other people you can show up with someone. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I mean, half the time I'm sure, like, I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of like paid dates with these kinds of things anyway. So, you know, um, yeah, I think that that is a good idea, especially for, for kink stuff. So Justine Cross, professional dominatrix in Los Angeles, owner and operator of Dungeon West and Dungeon East. Thanks for jumping on the phone. I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you, Dan, for having me again. Hey, Dan. A 28-year-old straight cis guy living in Florida. About two weeks ago, broke up with my longtime girlfriend of six years. Uh, we moved down here together, uh, owned dogs together, owned a house together, and then started working in the same office. It was a sex-negative relationship, and I was miserable, and your podcast and uh, your column helped me uh, get out of that relationship. So first of all, thanks for that. 
Um, I've been doing great since the breakup, you know, focusing on self-care, uh, meeting some new girls and dating. However, one small problem is that a couple of times a week now, I've either gone for a run or gone to let my dog out or gone to get my car. And sure enough, I see my ex's car um, in the guest parking at my apartment. She's single. She has the right to fuck whoever she wants, but I'm having a hard time. I mean, I guess I'm a little jealous I, uh, because she, first of all, she's giving someone something that that she wouldn't give me for six years, but also uh, the fact that I can't escape. I can't have my own space. I see her at work all the time and I have to be polite and cordial and respectful, but then to go home and not have that personal space and to have her right under my nose again, I feel like I'm trapped and I don't know what to do. Um, I feel like I say something to her that it will be, I'll look like I'm jealous and petty but really, I just want my own space. I want to be able to move on. And I just thought that after six years of companionship, uh, although the sex was not good and, and we were not on the same wavelength in terms of in terms of that, we had a good companionship and friendship. And I thought that she would at least have some discretion and some respect and not be fucking someone right around the corner from me. So any advice on how to handle this so I can try to move on and just stay healthy because I'm starting to go a little crazy. Connecting the dots here, and they're big, fat dots, and it's not that hard to connect them, but it seems that your ex-girlfriend is now fucking someone who lives in the building where you live, the place that you moved to when you broke up with her and moved out of the house that you guys owned together. And while you were together, you guys weren't fucking that much, sex-negative relationship, not sexually compatible, and there's some resentment from you, it sounds like, that she is doing with someone else what she wouldn't do with you. She's fucking someone else. That said, you do take equal responsibility. You try to for the disconnect in your relationship. You say you just weren't both on the same page, that you weren't a good sexual match. So maybe after the relationship ended, she went out there to try to find someone who was a better sexual match for her, just as you've gone out and tried to find someone who is a better sexual match for you. Unfortunately for you and your mental health and your need for some distance and to cauterize these wounds, the person that she found is in your building. And so you are seeing her car. And from seeing her car, you're inferring that she's fucking someone in your building. Maybe she's got a really great girlfriend in your building and they're eating ice cream all night and weeping together in each other's arms about their relationship woes. Or maybe she's fucking somebody. If you need to move again to get further away from her, move again if that's what it takes to protect yourself, to protect your sort of fragile sense of – self and coming out of this relationship so you don't boil with resentment, you also might want to get your resume together and get it out there and find a new job. The mind meld or the personhood meld that you and your girlfriend undertook in the six years that you were together, buying a house together, acquiring dogs together, applying to work at the same company together. Yee, you need some distance and you didn't get it simply by moving because of what charitably we will call, and most likely is a coincidence. She didn't case the building looking for someone in your building to fuck specifically to drive you crazy. I'm sure she's not that comfortable with this either if she is indeed the compassionate person that you've otherwise known her to be. But this meld, this merging of personhoods in this relationship or really any relationship is a bad idea. You need your own sense of autonomy, your own sense of self. You need your separate and distinct social and emotional spheres so that you can come together at the end of the day or the beginning of the day or some part of the day and feel like you're sharing something and bringing something 
to each other, not sharing every goddamned moment with each other. That, as Esther Perel points out in her new book, State of Affairs, it kind of extinguishes desire. The more merged and meld, the more best friends you are, the more you work to become a single entity instead of a couple of people, but are still a pair, two separate things that have come together, the less likely you're going to want to fuck each other because that extinguishes desire. And for desire to exist, there needs to be some distance. There needs to be some, some gap, some chasm that's being bridged by that lust. And Moving in together, buying a house together, getting dogs together, getting a job at the same place together, moving to a new place together where you were solely and wholly reliant on one another, not attempting to blame the victim or victims in this case, but not a good plan if what you want to do is sustain an intense sexual connection. Now, zooming out sounds like there was never an intense sexual connection in this relationship. Hopefully, your girlfriend is going to find a better sex partner for her, someone with whom she can have an intense sexual connection, the kind of sexual connection she couldn't have with you because you two didn't connect. You two weren't a fit. You two weren't a match. And you know that. And you need your rational brain to scream that at your reptile brain when the jealousy washes over you, when you see her car parked outside of your building and you infer that there's all this great sex she's having now with someone else. And who knows, maybe the sex she's having now with someone else is lousy. Maybe she's as sexually disconnected or or inept with this person as she was with you. So don't read into car outside a building wild swinging from the chandelier sex that she would never have with you, it could be just as awful. It could be just as lame. It could be just as dead fish sex as you two managed to have while you were together. You don't know and you'll never know because you are not in the room where it's happening. And if your own mental health, if your rational brain screaming facts and alternate explanations that your reptile brain doesn't do it, move for your own. You shouldn't have to move, of course, and If she was more considerate, perhaps she wouldn't be fucking someone in your building or she'd be having that person over to where she lives to fuck them instead. But it's happening. And if it's really driving you crazy, if you really can't handle it, then I'm sorry. She does have a right to fuck whoever she wants to fuck and fuck them wherever they happen to be and wherever she wants to fuck them. So the onus would be on you to move. And I would also encourage you to get that resume together and get it out there get a new gig, and put some space between you and your ex. Hi, Dan. I'm a 23-year-old Hispanic uh, woman in a long-distance relationship. It's my first relationship, actually, and I'm his his girlfriend. Um, I just wanted to get your opinion on a situation, not really on a who's right, who's wrong, just want to know your thoughts. So my boyfriend bought a house recently, and he's having... A housewarming party sometime in the future and we were going off a list of oh you know his friends co-workers he wanted to invite granted I haven't met all of them so that would have been an opportunity where I would meet most of them since we're long distance I don't get to meet everyone all at once but he brought up person he wanted to invite asked me if I was comfortable with it and I told him no um he said because this is the girl and I never I didn't have a, a name to the person until now but um yeah, he said that before our relationship that he had slept with one of his married co-workers, not just once, it was like an ongoing thing, so more like a fuck buddy. But um, he was like, oh yeah, like, uh, do you feel comfortable? And honestly, no, um, but we talked it out and that was that, but um, I, it still didn't feel right with me. Back of my head, I'm like, oh, well, who is she to you that she's so important, you want her in your house, but you also say, oh, but she's just a fuck buddy, like, I don't care about her if you don't want her there. But it is his housewarming, he can 
invite whoever he wants. I wouldn't deny him that. It's not my decision to make. I don't have to interact with anyone I don't want to. But he's also recently lent me his iPad so that I could draw on um, while I'm at home. Um, and on the ride back to my hometown, the bus ride, he doesn't have his um, messages turned off. So the curiosity got the best of me. I knew through his messages with her only because I, I didn't know her name until now. The temptation was there. The opportunity was there to look through. And I took it. They don't text that often. So there was very short messages. But from those messages, I still get that she's attracted to him. She sent him pictures of her boobs. She'll still say flirty sexual stuff. It's not a lot, but I personally don't like it. I don't like feeling disrespected. I'm not feeling disrespected from my boyfriend. I feel more disrespected from a person that knows he's in a relationship and I know he can control what other people do I'm not upset with him and I completely understand that I am in the wrong of snooping he but I still felt like the conversation wasn't over so we brought it up again had a good long talk he still trusts me I've always trusted him I didn't go into this looking for like oh my point was proven now I can officially trust him like it wasn't anything like that but yeah just wanted to know your thoughts your boyfriend specifically asked you if it was all right for him to invite his ex-fuck buddy to this party and it's clearly not all right with you his ongoing contact with her is clearly not all right with you and her limited presence in his life and her much more immediate presence in his life because she's obviously you're in a long distance relationship. She is in closer proximity to him than you are on most days. All that makes you uncomfortable and that discomfort has driven you to violate the relationship code of ethics statute 13 paragraph 12 and you snooped into his iPad and you looked at her messages and sometimes snooping is permissible retroactively depending on what we find. And in this case, you found some messages from her that he didn't respond to and he can't control who sends him messages. And if she still is into him and throwing herself at him, that of course is in some way disrespectful of where he's at now, this relationship that he's in now. And it's disrespectful of who you are to him, but you know, not in her defense, but to help contextualize it, you are to her an abstraction. You don't exist really in her imagination because she's never met you. You're not a real person. You're just this girlfriend that he now has, which is the reason he can no longer fuck her. And uh, clearly she would like him to fuck her again. And she's throwing her boobs at him. There are pictures of her boobs, pixels of her boobs in the hopes that he will take her up on it. And he has, as you know from reading the messages, apparently stood firm and not succumbed to the temptation of her pixelated boobies. Okay, all of which is a very roundabout way of me saying take your boyfriend's offer to let you veto her presence at this party. He asked you if it was okay with you for him to invite her and – it's not okay with you. It's clearly not okay with you. You wouldn't be snooping. You wouldn't be having these concerns. You wouldn't be having these worries. You wouldn't be calling my show if it was okay with you. So embrace that it's not okay with you. Be honest with him about it not being okay with you. Be the kind of girlfriend where you're not okay with a fuck buddy being at the housewarming party, particularly a fuck buddy who's kind of been a little disrespectful of the relationship that your boyfriend is in now. 
don't perform all this discomfort, don't be this upset, and then say, oh, I wouldn't deny him the right to invite whoever he wants to to his party. Because what you're going to do is tell him it's okay with you to invite her, even though it's not okay with you, because you don't want to be the kind of girlfriend who tells her boyfriend that he can't do this or can't do that or can't have this person, this ex-friend who used to put his dick in at the party, at the housewarming party. So you're going to tell him he should invite her if that's what he wants. But then you know what's going to happen. There's going to be drama at this party. You're going to get upset. It's going to be a big scene. You're going to say, it'll come out, you are never okay with her being there. And he's going to be like, then why did you let me invite her? Why didn't you tell me not to? And you said, but I didn't want to tell you not to. But what you wanted was for him just not to. And this will unfold a little bit like uh, a letter that I recently answered in Savage Love, where a woman, her boyfriend always wanted to have a three-way and she didn't ever want to have one. And so she told him that he could do it with somebody else. And he did. He went and had a three-way with two other women. And she said that was okay because she didn't want to be the kind of girlfriend who denied him this fantasy that he'd been masturbating about since he was 13 years old. And when he did it, their relationship exploded. She was devastated. And she was actually a friend of mine. I cited her as an example. She's a friend of mine. And what she told me was she didn't want to be the reason he couldn't have a three-way. She wanted to be the reason he chose not to have a three-way. And so she kind of set a trap for herself and for him and for their relationship. Don't make that mistake. Here, don't set a trap for him. Don't tell him it's okay with you if he invites her when it's not okay with you that he's going to invite her. Don't tell him to invite her if that's what he wants, hoping that he won't invite her, that he won't want to invite her because he clearly wants to invite her. So tell him the truth. Answer the question that he put to you. You don't want her at the party. And finally, I just want to pick apart something you said in there. She's just a fuck buddy, you said of this woman, not someone he cares about. Actually, I hope everyone out there who has a fuck buddy, everyone out there who has a friend with benefits cares about that person, not just as a fleshlight, not just as a vibrator, not just as a human sex toy, but as a human being, friend with benefits. Friend actually comes first, FWB, friend, friend, friend comes first, friendship comes first. That is a relationship. A fuck buddy is a buddy. It is a relationship. Hopefully he cares about this woman on some level and hopefully she cares about him too. They don't have a committed relationship or a monogamous relationship or an ongoing relationship, but they had a relationship of sorts and a connection. So I hope your boyfriend is the kind of man who, when he has a fuck buddy, when he has a regular friend with benefits, when he's regularly having sex with a woman, that that's somebody that he likes and cares about. And if so, that makes him a better boyfriend for you than the kind of guy who would treat a woman that he can't be in a committed relationship with because she's married to someone else like a cum sock on the floor. You don't want to be with someone. You don't want to be with a guy who doesn't care about his fuck buddy or his friend with benefits. That he still feels something for this woman, has feelings of affection for this woman is not a terrible sign about your boyfriend. It's a good sign about your boyfriend. Hi, I'm a 36-year-old married woman to a 35-year-old married man. And a random person just sent me a message on Facebook of, my husband on Grinder with like an erect penis and like some messaging back and forth. Um, and I thought we had like a normal marriage. I was really happy. Um, we have two really little kids, one and three. So I talked to him and he says that he just likes to have sort of like elaborate masturbation fantasies. And it's not about being bi or gay that he's truly attracted to women. And it's more just like, it kind of like was like porn spiraling from, regular porn to chat rooms to um, 
to, to grinders just because he could like masturbate and have like compliments and stuff from someone. But the guy who sent me the message keeps messaging me, which freaks me out. And also the lying and the betrayal. But I'm just curious, like, is this normal? He said he experimented with men when he was in his 20s, but it wasn't for him. And he also was a recently, like, he just stopped drinking a year ago after being recently an alcoholic for his whole adult life. And he thinks it's because he doesn't know how to replace the drinking behaviors. So he's kind of like compulsively masturbating. So just curious. <laughs> Do you have any thoughts? There's that question. The question you get all the time when you're in my business. Is this normal? You're wondering if it's normal for your straight male husband to be on Grinder, masturbating in front of the men of Grinder and soaking up their compliments and being aroused by them. No, 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 that is not normal, but that's not relevant. When it comes to human sexuality, deviance is the norm. So yeah, in a way it is normal. It's probably not normative for straight guys, straight married guys to be on Grinder showing their dicks off for an audience of gay men and soaking up that attention and being aroused by it. But variance is the norm. So in a way it is at once normal and not normal. There's a yin-yang of normal, not normal there, and it's just one thing. This turns your husband on. This kind of male attention, male affirmation, it turns your husband on. It seems to me that that's a little bit bi, and that's okay. And his little bit of bi-ness and this outlet for it doesn't necessarily have to destroy your marriage. And it doesn't mean that your marriage that you've said you believed was happy up till now isn't indeed happy. You were happy in this marriage. He was uh, presumably happy in this marriage, and this stuff was going on while you were happy and while he was happy. The only difference now is that you know that this was happening at the same time. And obviously there's nothing about this going on that made your marriage an unhappy or miserable one. It's not like you discovered this dark secret and suddenly you can see all the pieces snapping together that explain why your marriage was dysfunctional or miserable or high conflict. Your marriage was happy and you were content and your parents together and you have a good and satisfying family life. And I hope a good and satisfying sex life too. I imagine if this was going on and he wasn't having sex with you, that you would have mentioned that. So presumably we can infer you guys have a strong sexual connection and a good sex life. And this was happening for him too. So he was able to enjoy this aspect of his sexuality without neglecting you sexually, without destroying the happiness of your marriage or your family life. So this is something that in a way has been dishonestly accommodated in your marriage, that this was going on and you weren't aware of it. Now you're aware of it. And the question is, can this be honestly accommodated in your marriage? Another question, and perhaps one you guys should unpack with a sex positive therapist is if this is a compulsive behavior on his part, and if he's describing it as something that escalated and this just isn't some sort of bullshit, you know, I'm the victim sex addiction model descriptor that he's tossing out there to his wife to make it seem like he's the victim that, you know, oh, this escalated. He was in chat rooms and then ended up on grinder masturbating because he couldn't help himself. He's dragged along by his poor hard cock. If he can own his desires, if what he's turned on by is a certain kind of male attention at a distance. He says that he experimented with male on male sex with actual gay sex in his twenties. And that wasn't for him, but maybe this is for him. This hearing from other men that they think is hot hearing from gay men that think that they get dick is hot. Can that be something that he's allowed to have? That's his sort of autonomous little erotic zone. 
that there's something that he enjoys that you're on the outside of that doesn't involve you, but also doesn't take anything from you because you're not sexually neglected because your relationship and your marriage is a happy one because your needs are being met. And I would pivot to what do you think about when you masturbate? There are a lot of straight women out there who write me every day who say that they're insanely turned on by watching lesbian porn. In fact, they can't watch straight porn. Straight porn does nothing for them. They only want the dick. They only want to fuck guys. But when they sit down to masturbate or watch porn, it's all lesbian porn. And they feel a little conflicted about that and a little confused about that. I'm not saying that that's who you are. I'm just saying that this exists in the world, that there are people out there who are heterosexual in desire, heterosexual in behavior, and a little queer in fantasy life. There's something about same-sex pornography or even same-sex affirmation or attention, erotic attention, that cranks them up. And it's a wrinkle. It's a kink. It's a paradox. It's If we can regard it not as a problem or a cancer on your relationship, it could be regarded as something unique and interesting about your husband's sexual identity, sexual character, sexual makeup, erotic imagination – and something that could be accommodated and allowed for. And I think it that goes both ways, that you may have things, you may have desires, you may have interests that have to be accommodated and allowed for as well. Hopefully that you do. And that this can be, in a way, a GGG thing that goes both ways. It's a two-way street where he's allowed to have some things that are just his and you're allowed to have some things that are just yours so long as they don't steal you away from each other, so long as they don't eat away at your sexual connection and your happy relationship and your happy marriage and your happy family life. Can this be contained? Can he have this and have you too? As for the person who sent you this information, block that motherfucker. You know this now. I don't know what this person thinks they're doing. They probably think that your husband is some kind of crazy closet case and they're out to destroy your marriage. Do you want your marriage destroyed? This person may just be a vengeful, bored online troll with too much time on their hands who sees someone, quote unquote, getting away with something, being married, being happy, having a mostly heterosexual life, but having this one uh, homoerotic desire, outlet, uh, activity that also turns him on. And this anonymous idiot online is filled with rage about that, probably because they don't have a happy life, probably because they don't have a strong sexual connection, probably because they have a lot less going on for them than your husband has going on for him. And they want to reach out and steal all that from him because they're just a vindictive shitbag. Block that motherfucker. If they create a new email address and start emailing you again, block them again. Focus on your husband. Focus on what's really going on here. And I'm not saying that I nailed it. Like I'm just theorizing off the top of my head what could be going on here. Get him and you together to a sex positive sex therapist or relationship counselor or couples counselor and unpack this at greater length. But clearly this is a part of your husband's inner erotic life and erotic imagination. I don't think those things can be dammed up. I don't think those things can be denied. I think those things can only be rolled with and accommodated and channeled in healthy ways. Figure out if there's a channel that you can dig in your marriage that allows him this outlet. If that channel can't exist and if this is indeed compulsive and unhealthy and destructive, then you can talk to a counselor. You should talk to a counselor anyway, but maybe you can talk to a counselor about damming it up. But I always think damming it up is risky. Dams without spillways, dams without some way to release the pressure, they burst. Dan, 
calling about your last episode where there's a woman who has extremely sensitive nipples and for some reason felt ashamed to tell her now fiance that she doesn't enjoy them being played with. Your explanation was that she should be very frank and admit to her lie of omission. I think another option for her is to tell a little white lie. People's sensitivity changes over the course of their lives. If they've been together for a really long time, I think it would be very appropriate for her to say, hey, something's going on. My nipples are very sensitive. I don't enjoy them being played with, touched, whatever is the case. I can't guarantee that this is going to stay this way, but it might. Is that a deal breaker for you? I think that is a much safer route that wouldn't put a giant problem, a giant hurdle over their soon-to-be marriage. Hi, this is a comment on episode 554. You have a woman whose fuck buddy only enjoyed anal sex with her when she was not enjoying it. You left out the possibility that maybe he's got a touch of sadism and what's getting him off is the fact that it makes her uncomfortable or hurts her. Not everyone who's sadistic is aware of it and not everyone who's sadistic acknowledges it or tells their partner. Hi, this is a menstruating woman calling about episode 554. I've actually had to stop it after three calls because I just cannot deal with how much bullshit women put up with. The first caller is having like painful anal sex and and like wondering if that's okay. And then the second one's getting videotaped secretly and wondering like how to move forward with this guy if she should be still dating him after he's videotaping and then the third one for five years is putting up with this unpleasant sensation of her partner and pretending she's oh it's too much like could women just please stop putting up with so much fucking bullshit from men and we're gonna leave it there 206-302-2064 is the number here at the savage Lovecast. if you would like to record a question or a comment for a future show Give us a buzz, 206-302-2064. Coming up, Chicago, June 15th. I am going to be in you for a live taping of the Savage Lovecast with special guest comedian Kristen Toomey. Get your questions answered by me live in person. Savage Lovecast Live goes down at the Music Box Theater at 8 p.m. June 15th. More info and tickets at humpfilmfest.com slash Chicago and at humpfilmfest.com. You can also check out upcoming tour dates for the Hump Film Fest, my porn film festival. And if you like the political rant at the beginning of the show, be sure to listen to Blabbermouth, the Strangers News and Review podcast out every Wednesday. Follow me on Twitter at Fake Dan Savage. Read Savage Love, my advice column every week in the Chicago Reader and other newspapers all across the country. Follow Justine Cross on Twitter at Justine Plays. Savage Lovecast is produced every week by Nancy Hartunian and me and the tech savvy at Risk Youth and Nancy. We will all be back at you next week with another installment of the Savage Lovecast. Thanks for downloading. <laughs>